Hello, welcome to this BMJ podcast about well-being. In this episode, we'll be talking about new sources of support for healthcare staff. January can be a dark and difficult time, particularly this year, and it may be a time when people need extra help. I'm Abby Rimmer, careers editor at the BMJ, with an interest in doctors' well-being. And I'm Kat Chatfield, a trained GP with an interest in quality and patient safety. Abby and I co-lead the BMJ's campaign on well-being, which is especially important for healthcare professionals during the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite the good news that we've had about the COVID vaccine, we know that the beginning of 2021 is still going to be a really difficult time for healthcare professionals. And given that, I think it's really important that people know that there is support available. So today we're going to be talking to someone who works for an organisation that plays a role in providing some of that support. So my name is Ben Phillips and I am the Head of Service Programmes at Samaritans. And what does service programmes mean? So service programmes is um, specific areas of work that we do with other organisations, including the NHS, uh, the armed forces, uh, the prison services and so on, uh, to deliver Samaritan support services in a variety of different ways um, to specific demographics that might have different sort of challenges or requirements associated with them. And I'm sure you know, that everyone will know, but just for, the, just for the tape, can you tell us a bit about who Samaritans are? Uh, so Samaritans are a suicide prevention charity uh, focused on providing uh, listening support as part of our core service. So we have about 20,000 volunteers across the country and you can call any time to talk about whatever it is that's bothering you uh, and they will listen. And Ben, can I ask you, out of sheer nosiness really how did you get involved in Samaritans? Um, so I was serving in the armed forces until about three or four years ago um, uh, which was a fantastic time um, when I came to leave I'd done a bit of work with a number of my soldiers who'd, who'd struggled in various ways and for various reasons um, a lot of them had struggled reintegrating into civilian life and uh, I was down the pub with a mate of mine and I was uh, putting the world to rights about it all and he pointed out that Samaritans were looking to hire an armed forces project manager to um, address some of the issues I'd been um, uh, merrily complaining about. Uh, so I popped an application in and uh, ended up joining the, the organisation and then um, I've, I've been there ever since and uh, my portfolio has, has grown a little bit recently. That's really interesting. We've had uh, on the podcast a couple of times uh, a specialist in mental health from the armed forces and the parallels, I think, between um, some of what armed forces personnel have experienced and, and a little bit about of what our healthcare um, personnel have experienced is sorry that's really garbled let me start again and there are definitely some parallels between what armed forces personnel have experienced and what healthcare staff have been going through this year I think that's really Um, true I think there's there's definitely there's also a bit of a similarity in culture I think as well around people and the way they perceive themselves as those who are responsible for supporting or protecting others um, and who by dint of their job are exposed to perhaps a greater degree of stress than than you might otherwise experience in other other walks of life Um, I think there are huge amounts of parallels, yeah. Oh, thank you. And um, what led Samaritans to launch a dedicated support line just for NHS and social care staff? So it's been very tied into the coronavirus pandemic um, and an awareness that more and more was being asked of NHS staff and volunteers and um, social care staff and volunteers as well uh, as the line expanded to them uh, during this time. And that, um, you know, on the front line, 
as, as it were, um, they would be experiencing a greater degree of stress with, with an increase in um, hospital admissions and, and all the other um, difficulties that have come along with this pandemic. So we wanted to make sure that we were supporting them um, and uh, we were approached by uh, Department of Health to try and set up um, not just a, a phone line, but also some learning tools and um, sort of personal development bits and pieces to to try and support um, NHS staff and volunteers uh, during this during this crisis. I wanted to ask you if you could say anything about the levels of demand that you've seen. Have you have you seen kind of the pattern of use and demand changing for Samaritans over the time of coronavirus? Um, so uh, we haven't seen a, a marked increase in our core service, but we are always busy, um, 365 days a year. Uh, the NHS line and social care line, um, although we haven't seen a huge change in the number of people uh, using the service, we have seen a change in the way that they're using the service um, as their understanding of it has has improved and as, as various awareness uh, campaigns have, have um, been put out. So uh, I think people are now accessing the service with more accurate expectations of what they'll receive, a better understanding that the service is being run not by the NHS, but by Samaritans. Um, and so aren't, aren't quite as surprised when uh, a Samaritan picks up the phone. Uh, and we are seeing um, conversations where uh, we believe people are starting to open up more um, and talk a little more freely about um, the various issues that are bothering them. And what are the major challenges that you've been hearing from health and social care staff that they've been facing? Obviously, all calls to us are anonymous and confidential, and um, we would never release anyone, individual person's um, sort of content or anything. Uh, but we do um, sort of keep keep track of issues that we start to hear repeatedly. Um, some of those challenges that we have heard on our line are that uh, NHS staff are feeling exhausted and stressed in some cases. Uh, some feel anxious about catching the virus at, at work and then taking it home to their families. Uh, or alternatively, some uh, are shielding and are feeling guilty about letting their colleagues down in, in, their, in their perspective. Um, some have concerns about their work's impact on their own well-being and, and the well-being of their family members, which can affect their relationships. Um, and a lot of people are concerned about that sort of bringing stress from work and bringing it back into their home life. Um, and uh, along with that, we have the sort of the feelings of, of burnout as staff are adapting to new pressures uh, in what you know remains a changeable situation. Uh, but I, I would, again, just sort of say that ev everyone is different and, uh, you know, any, any caller who rings will be treated as an individual and we won't release any, any direct conversational content. Of course, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned some very specific challenges there, Ben, to, especially to do with work on the front lines or that kind of feelings of guilt around being able, not able to help. Um but what do you think the mental health pressures the general public are facing at this time as well? Because it's obviously not just health and social care staff and volunteers. I mean, I, I think what we're seeing um, to a large degree is, is um, social isolation massively on the rise uh, for, you know, as, as a byproduct of very reasonable measures to, to prevent the spread of a virus. A lot of people, I think, are feeling very lonely and very isolated, uh, particularly this time of year. Um, I think there's also that sort of added degree of stress coming from economic uncertainty and, uh, you know, people worrying about their jobs and, and security and everything else. Um, and all of those kind of, if you like, practical challenges that are bound up in all of this. Um, 
so yeah I, I think a huge number of of um uh things from, from that sort of fall out of this this pandemic are affecting everybody i just i'm just wondering what you think about the appropriateness of a charity providing a support service for nhs staff for issues that they face in their jobs when we have a publicly funded health service i mean first off we we are funded by you know it, this this line is funded by the department of health um but i think there is real value in having an external organization which um you know is is not part of uh your hr um department or anything else there to to listen um to ensure that people do do understand that it is a confidential um independent um service and, and beyond that you know i think we are you know we have we have the capacity in terms of the number of volunteers and the expertise in terms of the quality of the listening support they deliver um, from the fantastic training they receive and, and all of the volunteers operating our nhs and social care line are um you know highly experienced listening volunteers uh, so i i think it's it's actually quite a good natural fit um to make sure that we are you know supporting the nhs ben we know cat and i from the work that we've done on well-being that um we focus on doctors but i think you could probably say the same for all healthcare professionals is that they're not particularly good at coming forward um, to tackle their own well-being and I just wondered you know my personal understanding of Samaritans is as a, a kind of suicide prevention charity so I wonder how many healthcare professionals have seen Samaritans as something for them that they can use. It's a really good question and it's something that we struggle with not just um, with healthcare professionals but also a lot of the other demographics I've mentioned and in general. Um, so first of all I would say that Samaritans is a absolutely a suicide prevention charity and we are there to take calls from people um, if they're in crisis but not just from people who are in crisis we're very happy for people to call us um, just to to tell us about whatever it is that's bothering them we'd much rather people engage early and use the service um, I think in terms of healthcare professionals and we talked about this earlier I, I think there is still that um, it's almost self-inflicted stigma about coming forward sometimes in people's own identity and, and how they may see themselves um, as, as caregivers rather than care receivers. Um, but I think we are all human and I don't think it's ever a sign of weakness for, for you to be um, self-aware, to consider and to reach out for help or support from someone else. I wonder if there's parallels ever. Kat, you'll know more about this, but you often hear GPs talk about patients who say, oh, I don't want to bother you about this. And maybe sort of people think like, oh, I don't want to clog up the the service by phoning in but but maybe they should yeah i think that's true um i i certainly know from you know friends and family of mine who have been gps that they talk you know the, the patients you worry about are the ones you don't see for 10 years who then come in going oh i didn't want to mention but you know um and uh yeah i think i think you're right i think i would encourage people to to call the service you know don't be afraid about um you know wasting the resource or whatever if, if there is something that is really bothering you on your mind and you want to talk to someone and you want to just just air that then please do call I think as you said Ben it's suicide prevention isn't just in that moment of crisis isn't it I mean it's often a kind of long uh, some I mean occasionally very impulsive but often a long kind of progression um, through worsening worsening illness until you get to that point um, where you might um, die by suicide so I think you know prevention can start a, a long time before that point of crisis just to sort of start engaging with and being heard and valued um, in society I think is incredibly important um, 
What can we learn from you about the kind of listening we need to offer to friends and colleagues who might need support? So I, I think um, the uh, the Samaritans listening wheel model that we have is, is a really useful one. Um, so this sort of, uh, it's divided into six parts and uh, these are all sort of helpful ways that we can all improve the way that we listen to one another um, to support friends, family, colleagues, peers. Um, so first off, open questions are important. Um, how, what, where, who, why, trying to encourage the person to to open up and to to talk more rather than sort of offering them closed um, closed questions. Um, summarizing, so as you go through the conversation, um, sort of continually summarize to show the person that you're listening to them and encouraging um, them to, to continue to sort of um, relate, uh, relate to you and um, that you've understood their sort of circumstances and feelings. Um, reflecting, repeating back a word or a phrase can encourage an individual to carry on and expand and, and clarifying. So they might gloss over an important point, but if you can explore those areas further, you can help them kind of clarify a point for themselves so that they, I suppose, helping people to encourage their own understanding of, of the issue that's bothering them, um, rather than you necessarily feeling you have to investigate it yourself, as it were. Um, short words of encouragement are always good. Uh, so, you know, positively reinforcing and then when they're opening up, sort of, you know, go on, yes, uh, and so on. And and also that sort of, that human side of, of reacting and, you know, acknowledging that what the person is telling you sounds like a very difficult situation um, and so on, so that you, you give them that sense of being listened to um, and uh, and so on. I was listening to an interesting programme on the radio and it was about how we've all got obsessed with positive thinking and thinking that we have to respond to people's difficulties people are facing with like a positive kind of, oh, it's going to be okay, it's going to get better, when actually that's not help. I don't know, it, it just made me rethink about how I listen to other people and, and kind of, you think you're being helpful by telling them, oh, no, it's going to be all right, when actually maybe that's not what people need. Anyway, sorry. No, I think the impulse is to fix things, isn't it? And I think um, healthcare workers often have that impulse. You know, you go into a profession to fix things and sometimes it's a lot more about acknowledging and just holding that space for somebody rather than trying to give false reassurance, especially when a situation like this where the pressures um, are are very real and are not going away. I think we could all have, you know, improve our listening skills. I once listened to a, a hostage negotiator speak at a conference about the kind of skills that she developed to, to listen as well as to kind of speak with another person. And there are parallels, actually, I found in... Um, when you interview someone for a news article, for example, it's those same sort of things, but I don't think that necessarily makes me a very good listener. The other thing I, I wanted to ask you, Ben, is obviously we've had some very good news about the vaccine, which definitely should be celebrated. But we know that the winter and coming into January is still going to be a really hard time for healthcare professionals. And I just wondered what you think the future is for support for healthcare staff and and in sort of specifically your service how long will it last for is it something that's going to go on for a while um so i think it's probably okay for me to share we, we are we're currently talking with the department of health about um uh, increasing the support we offer and and um continuing the the, the sort of work that we've already delivered really and extending the um, the length of of um, of time that we provide that for um not just in line with how long the sort of the pandemic um 
goes on, but also beyond that. And actually supporting NHS staff was something that we were looking at doing before coronavirus. I think this is just something which has put the need in a sharper relief perhaps than it was before and, and accelerated things, um, certainly at our end. Um, so I, I, I think longer term, there is more work to be done. I think it's an area of work that we should be focusing on. And it's one that we, I think there's the will and the in, intention on both both sort of sides of this partnership to uh, to continue to do so. Yeah, well, we know historically that that um, as a profession, healthcare has had a higher rate of suicides um, than many other professions, um, and the degree of burnout that was present among staff in the NHS was already, as you say, extremely high. Um, so, in some ways, it's been heartening that coronavirus has thrown that need and into sharp relief and and led to acceleration of provision of support for some staff. And long may it long may it continue. <laughs> Ben, I've got two slightly left field questions for you. My first question would be, what would you say to someone who's thinking, I'm just really stressed out with work and not coping and I can't see how calling the Samaritans is going to help with that? I think people would be surprised just how helpful it can be to talk through whatever it is that's bothering you with someone and particularly with someone who is a stranger, actually. Someone who sits outside of your, your, your work, someone who sits outside of your friendship group, and someone who is very willing to just sit and listen and let you get everything off your chest. And sometimes them giving you that space allows you to actually articulate what it is bothering you in a way that you might not have done so internally, um, which can help you reflect on it to better understand it and, you know, hopefully to feel better about it, whatever whatever that may be. I just um, had an experience last year when I was... um got into a bit of a state um I was feeling quite anxious and and I guess depressed um however I found that friends and family although they were very supportive they always wanted to make me feel better and they always wanted to kind of say oh you just need more sleep or you just need to work less um and actually it wasn't until I spoke to our employee assistance program which is a sort of similar offering um, that run through our employer where it was speaking to someone else who made me realise quite how bad things were. And I think that kind of permission to recognise that actually this isn't just the normal run-of-the-mill kind of stress, this has actually got into a more difficult situation and I might need some formal help, was incredibly useful. Um, and I don't think that someone who was very close to me would have necessarily been able to bring that perspective. Um, and it, it sort of marked a real turning point for me and, and getting better. So I would imagine that the Samaritan may often provide a similar kind of uh, perspective and space for people who, who take the time to call them. And it was very, made me very anxious to ring. It felt really like a really big deal. And then as soon as I rang, I thought, why did I make such a big deal about this? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I think I think it's always that first step. I mean, I've found accessing mental health services through my general practice. The hardest bit is going in and I once cried on a receptionist and she said, it's fine, you just fill in this form. And I thought, how is this so much easier than I imagined it would be? You know, I'd made it up into this huge, massive thing in my mind. And she was like, just people need this all the time. It's, it's this is normal. And but I think often it is that first step that you really need to get across. And you're right, Kat, I think often also friends and family want to try and offer you solutions to make you because they want to make you better and maybe as Ben says maybe the perspective of a stranger is more helpful in that situation. I, I think you're really right as well that normalising help seeking is really important I mean we we receive 
millions, what is it, 5.7 million calls a year, I think. Um, you know, we're a well-used service. People people call us and I think, yeah, and we're confidential and everything else, but I think people shouldn't underestimate just how many people do use our service and absolutely you know, nothing to be ashamed of. It's a very, very normal thing to do uh, and please do reach out if you feel you need it. Ben, that links me to my second question, which again, you may not want to answer, but I just wondered having discussed at the beginning kind of maybe what the perception is around what Samaritans do, how you might, if you say you've listened to this podcast and you think, I th- you think, oh, this service could really help my colleague, but how am I going to say to them, do you think you should call the Samaritans without it sounding like a really big deal? And I wonder if, I, I don't know even if that's answerable, but I wonder if you had any advice around that. Yeah, I suppose and making sure that they understand that it's, it is that, you don't have to be in crisis to call us service that, that we, you know, we're trying to move away from that, that perspective, um, that whilst we are absolutely people that you can, can call in a crisis, you don't have to be in a crisis to call us. Um, and, and, and we have a lot of calls. I mean, I, I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but, um, the majority of our calls are not crisis calls. Um, you know, are, are people who just want to talk about something and want someone to listen. Um, and so I, I think the more that message gets out um, among friends, peers, colleagues, and the more that's reinforced, not just by us, but but from you know society at large, um, the better as far as we're concerned. Um, so I think if you were having that conversation with a friend, um, perhaps just reaffirming that um, that aspect of our service would be really helpful from our perspective. I think that phrase you use, Ben, of sort of the listening support service, I think that's a really helpful way to sort of describe what it is what it is that you do. And that's something that I hadn't really thought of before. Another useful definition we sometimes talk about is the, is the difference between mental health and emotional health. And actually what we're really primarily about is emotional health, emotional support, um, which is, is different. Um, although there are links between you know, physical, mental and emotional health. I don't need to tell you guys this. Um, but we, we would really consider ourselves to be first and foremost about emotional support. So there's no um, no need to worry about any kind of stigma or medical aspect. It's just about your emotional state and feeling better. And we all have emotional states that, that fluctuate all the time, um, you know, particularly this time of year, perhaps with everything that's going on. Well, it's a difficult time of year for many people anyway. Absolutely. Um, and then with all the complexities of, of the pandemic, and yes, there's a lot going on, shall we say. <laughs> there's a lot going on. And on, on that note, recognising that, do you have any specific advice or tips for people listening about how they can look after their emotional health at the moment? Um, I mean, I think for me, it's about making sure that you you, you do your best to remain connected with and the people around you, people you're close to, um, and you know, uh, do your best to avoid that sort of that that social isolation piece that is um, so prevalent at the moment. And you know, there's all kinds of ways. I know everyone has has their own um, approaches to this, and people maybe maybe sick to death of video quizzes. I don't know, but um, uh, whatever it is you want to do, make sure you 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 stay in touch with people and. Um, if you are feeling like there's no one that you can turn to, you, you can always turn to us. Um, and we are here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Ben, we will put the details in the podcast, but I don't, you know, in the description, but I just wonder whether, is it too obvious just to ask you exactly how people contact you? Like what's the number and what's the 
website? Yeah, so uh, you can call Samaritans, uh, either our, our call service, which is 116123, uh, or if you're an NHS or social care um, staff or volunteer, uh, you can call us on 0800 0696 222. That's 0800 0696 222. Our call service is available um, 24 hours a day, every day. Um, our NHS and social care uh, specific line is available uh, from 7 in the morning to 11 at night. So Kat, I thought it was really interesting to talk to Ben and learn a bit more about what the Samaritans do. I think I'd always perceived them as a kind of a resource in a crisis, whereas actually it was really good to hear from him that they offer different kinds of support. And I also liked the tips that he gave for listening, because I think listening is probably something we can all improve on. And it's nice to have some sort of really concrete steps that you can take to listen better to, to friends, family and colleagues. Yeah, absolutely, Abby. I think I also suffered under the same misconception. You know, when I think Samaritans, I think signs on railway bridges and beachy head and, and that kind of signposting them to patients who were you know if you're really desperate if there's a real emergency then then they're here um but that point that actually it's an emotional support service whatever that moment is whenever you need it um and that you don't have to be in in extreme crisis to call them was was really heartening actually and really because i think obviously for the small proportion of people who are in a terrible crisis there'll be a much bigger number of people who are just having a really tough time um, and need somewhere to turn to, to to have a bit of support and that that listening ear and i have to say i think i was initially a bit cynical about why have the Samaritans been brought in to offer this support for NHS staff? But actually hearing him talk about the fact that having a surface that's separate from your workplace, how much how helpful that can be because you you know, often in these situations it is important to know that these things are kept anonymous and kept separate. I thought that was really helpful to hear. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, especially doctors, um, you have a real concern about confidentiality and the GMC and, you know, probity and is how is their emotional state going to impact on their performance? So knowing that there is that confidential space that is separate to NHS or, or what their human resources can provide, I think is incredibly valuable. Um, and Ben has shared with us some really useful links, including to the listening wheel, which he mentioned, um, some tips for how to listen to people and obviously all the details for how you can get in touch with the Samaritans and they will be in the notes for the podcast. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much to our guest Ben Phillips for coming on the podcast. You can check us out on social media. We're at BMJ underscore latest on Twitter or you can join our BMJ Wellbeing group on Facebook. We'd love to hear your ideas for what we can cover in future episodes. Until next time, it's goodbye from us. Bye. Bye.